Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. with Wings Productions presents Chapter 11 of The Skylark Bell Skydive. I'm your host, Melissa Oliveri. In last week's episode, James Carnifex and Farfalla married. In today's episode, we read Chapter 11, Elizabeth, in which we meet James and Farfalla's daughter, Magpie's great-grandmother, Elizabeth. Today's podcast partner is fellow Bupod Network member Horror Roulette. This podcast takes a unique approach in that the topics are chosen by spinning a wheel of random words. You won't find a more unique format or set of topics than this one. Be sure to check the show notes for a link to the Horror Roulette podcast. Now it's time to settle in, grab a blanket and a warm drink, and let's get started. September 30th, 1931. Carmen Elizabeth Carnifex. Such love I feel every time I say her name, like a song rolling off my tongue. I never dreamed love like this was possible, not after losing Marius. James is a wonderful man, and I care for him deeply. He provides for us and treats me with kindness and respect even though I have been shunned by nearly everyone I know. But I don't love him like I loved Marius. I was beginning to think I would never feel love again. But then, Elizabeth, as we call her, was born on our first wedding anniversary, about four weeks earlier than expected. I loved her from the moment she let out that first pitiful wail as the midwife carried her to the wash tub to clean her up. The midwife placed her in my arms, and I felt the warmth of her tiny body against mine. It reminded me of the oak tree and how I would lean on it and feel its heartbeat. I am her oak tree, her protector. James was away on business when Elizabeth was born. 
so it was just the two of us for the first few days. We spent much of our time in bed or in the rocking chair that Papa made and brought to our little house around the corner from Torturo's bakery. James purchased the house just before our wedding, and we moved in the next day. Elizabeth was very fussy at first and cried most hours of the day. I began to feel overwhelmed and thought perhaps I was doing something wrong. I made the special tea that the midwife left to help recover from childbirth and give the baby strength, in her words. But that didn't seem to quiet Elizabeth. Finally, one evening, as we sat in the rocking chair, I began to sing her an old French lullaby that Audrey Tortoreau had taught me when we were girls. I hadn't thought of that song in years, but for some reason in that moment of exhausted exasperation, it spilled from my throat. Here comes the good wind. Here comes the pretty wind. I was about halfway through singing the song before realizing that Elizabeth was finally quiet. I looked down at her, thinking I would find her asleep. But her eyes were wide open, unblinking, fixated on my face. I smiled at her and at last she closed her eyes and went to sleep. From that day forward, any time she would be sad or upset, I would sit in the rocking chair and sing her the French lullaby, and she would calm almost instantly. About a week after Elizabeth was born, James was finally able to come home and meet his daughter. He wept at the sight of her, and didn't dare to touch her for fear of her tiny frame couldn't handle his large, strong hands. Over time, he became more comfortable with her, helping to feed and diaper her. But he would always bring her to me when she cried, saying, Sing to her, Fala. The past year and a half of motherhood has helped heal my heart. I've learned to feel joy again, to smile and laugh, to let go of the anger and animosity that I held on to for so long. The sound of Elizabeth's laughter in the other room brings a smile to my face in an instant. Watching her take her first steps, or take a bite of birthday cake for the first time, or seeing her eyes light up when James or Paloma or Mama and Papa show up at the door, all of it, it fills me with love. Elizabeth. The blurry word comes from the little girl's perfectly plump mouth. Her strawberry blonde curls bounce back and forth as she toddles toward James's outstretched arms. Yes, my darling, well done, he says, grinning with pride. Elizabeth's chubby hands come together in an awkward clap, and her giggle echoes around the room. Farfalla watches from the doorway, wiping her hands on a dish towel, and relishes the feeling of warmth spreading through her body. Ah! That will be Auntie Paloma, says Farfalla as a knock on the front door echoes through the small house. Come in, she shouts from her perch by the sink. I hear today's a special day, says Paloma, waltzing into the room, her arms overflowing with brightly wrapped boxes and bags. What in the world is all of this? exclaims Farfalla, catching two packages before they spill to the floor. This is what aunties do. It's my job to spoil her, replies Paloma, setting the rest of her load on the dining room table before scurrying over to Elizabeth and lifting her up in the air. 
How's my favorite niece? She coos, nuzzling the toddler's neck and sending her into fits of giggles. Your favorite niece is on the move, says James, walking to the dining room table to help Farfalla stack the packages. Are you walking, my darling? Paloma is now nose to nose with Elizabeth, who is staring at her with wide blue eyes. Lolma, says Elizabeth suddenly. Everyone in the room stands in stunned silence, unsure whether they heard correctly. Lolma, Elizabeth says again, this time a little more loudly. She steps back and claps her tiny hands together. Yes, my love, it's Auntie Paloma, says Paloma, pulling the child into her arms. Paloma looks to Farfalla, her eyes brimming with tears. I could not love her more, she says. Farfalla feels an inexplicable pang of worry, envy. She's not quite sure, but the emotion catches her off guard and she finds it disconcerting. Well, dinner will be ready soon. We'd better open these gifts so we have space at the table to sit down and eat, she says, forcing a smile. Paloma carries Elizabeth over to the table and places her in the high chair. She hands the child boxes and bags one by one, and Elizabeth joyfully pulls at the brightly colored paper. A myriad of dolls, books, finger paints, and dresses progressively covers the surface of the dining room table. Finally, all the packages have been opened, and James starts to collect the bits of paper and empty boxes strewn on the floor. You didn't need to do all this, says Farfalla, swallowing the hint of disapproval that was about to appear in her voice. You sound like Mama. You're getting more practical as you get older, laughs Paloma. Farfalla feels a sting. She isn't anything like her mother. Is she? Oh, wait, there's still one more, shouts Paloma excitedly, snapping Farfalla out of her increasingly foul mood. Paloma races to the front door and steps out. She returns a moment later with a long box balanced awkwardly in her arms. I almost forgot my arms were too full earlier and I left this out on the porch, she says, lugging the box into the dining room. She opens the flaps and lifts out a hobby horse. From its shiny black lacquered head sprouts a white mane made of yarn. Farfalla steps back in horror. Put that thing away, she says, her sharp tone causing Elizabeth's face to scrunch up. Farfalla, it's just a hobby horse. Since Elizabeth is walking now, I thought she'd have tremendous fun galloping about. Put it away now. Farfalla can feel her heart racing in her chest and tears springing under her eyelids. Elizabeth is crying now, her loud wailing instantly filling the small kitchen. Fala, why don't you take Elizabeth to her room and settle her down in the rocking chair? You know how she quiets when you sing to her. I think she's a little tuckered out from all the excitement, says James. His calm demeanor helps Farfalla come to her senses. She nods and takes Elizabeth into the other room, closing the door behind her. I'm so sorry. I, I had no idea she would be so upset. I don't understand. I... I stutters Paloma once Farfalla has left the room. James holds the hobby horse up to his eye level. It looks like cormorant, he says simply, his lips squeezing tightly shut. 
He knows that losing Marius was very hard on Farfalla. But so many years have gone by, he thought for sure that with their family, with Elizabeth, that Farfalla had moved past all the anger and hurt. He certainly never dreamed she would react this way to a toy. I will get rid of it, he says, making no attempt to hide the bitterness in his voice. I'm so sorry, James. The thought didn't even cross my mind. I would have chosen a different color if it had. I feel terrible, says Paloma, laying a hand on James's shoulder. Think nothing of it. You meant well, he says, turning to face her. They stand face to face for a long moment. The sound of Farfalla's voice causes them to startle and take a step back. She's asleep now. I think perhaps it's best if you head back to the city, Paloma, she says. There is an edge to her voice that they haven't heard in years, and James feels his heart sink. I will pack some food for you, for the road, she adds, walking briskly into the kitchen. Fala, I'm so sorry. It didn't even cross my mind that the horse looked like court. She stops herself as she sees Farfalla's body go rigid. I'm, I'm sorry, she mumbles. She walks to the coat tree to grab her sweater and handbag. You don't need to pack any food. I'll be fine. Give Elizabeth a kiss for me and tell her I love her. Goodbye, Fala, she says, letting herself out the door. Goodbye, James. James nods silently and gives Paloma a sympathetic look. The door closes softly and James walks back to the dining room table. He collects the dolls and books and stacks them neatly in the corner of the living room with Elizabeth's other toys. He can hear Farfalla in the kitchen spooning food onto plates. He walks over to her and takes the serving spoon out of her hand. He places it gently on the counter and takes her by the shoulders to turn her around. He wraps his arms around her and feels her body go limp as she gives in to his embrace. She weeps then. She weeps like he has never heard her weep before. His heart sinks as he realizes how much of her heart belongs to Marius, still. He holds her until the racking sobs slow, then stop. Then he pulls back a step to look at her. I'm sorry, she whispers. He's not sure if she's apologizing for her outburst with Paloma or for being so heartbroken about Marius but he nods and lays a gentle hand on her cheek. You should get some rest. I'll clean up in here, he says, turning away from her so she can't see the devastation in his eyes. He's always known she loved Marius, but he thought perhaps with the arrival of Elizabeth and the kindness and love he's shown her all these years that he had finally earned a prime place in her heart. There's no doubt she is entirely devoted to Elizabeth, and she does feel something for him, perhaps gratitude and respect. But finally, James must admit to himself, Farfalla's heart will always belong to Marius. Thank you so much for listening. Join me next week for Chapter 12, The Letter, in which James receives a letter that will change his and Farfalla's lives forever. The Skylark Bell is brought to you by Phaeton Starling Publishing and features original music by Canal. 
Leaving a rating or a review on your preferred podcast platform is incredibly helpful in helping the podcast gain visibility so others can find and enjoy the story of the Skylark Bell. It's a quick, easy, and free way to support my work. If you'd like to support me further, you can also subscribe to Patreon, where you'll get early access to ad-free episodes, as well as digital downloads of the music, artwork, behind-the-scenes videos, and so much more. And be sure to follow me on social media for updates. I love to connect with listeners. Just check the show notes for all necessary links. Once again, thank you for listening. I'm Melissa Oliveri, writer, host, and producer of the Skylark Bell Podcast. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.